everybody. Welcome to week two of streaming only. And you know, uh, this is, you know, I think of Joshua when God was moving Joshua, leading Joshua to take the people across the Jordan, finally into the promised land. He said, now be sure the ark goes in front of you um, and, and touches the water first. And then he said this, because you've never been this way before. And I can tell you, we're doing some things right now um, that we've never been this way before. But the presence of God, the favor of God, the anointing of God has been with us. Do you know that our streaming outreach, just our, our webcast, has multiplied five times, five times the normal viewership. Thousands have been watching our services, and we're so thankful for this incredible gift of technology that we can come into your living room, your office, wherever you happen to be, and we can have church, and we're having church right now. And I want to I also, before I go into the Word of God today, I want to thank you for your faithful giving. Uh, you know, like I said, we've never been this way before. I've always looked at people in front of me, but now I see you in my mind's eye, but I'm not there with you. But yet, I am. And more than me, God is. And you've been with us in your incredible giving. Thank you for so many of you staying faithful because, you know, uh, there may be a virus moving around, but a, a virus doesn't respect bills, and we have bills. But here's the good news. We're going forward. We're not going to allow a virus, some call it a plague, or uh, the Bible would call it a pestilence, to stop the move of God. Indeed, March 30th, Monday morning, we're launching nationwide via radio, Christian Satellite Network. We're going to be on the radio two and a half hours a week in every single time zone, coast to coast, uh, in drive time. And uh, we're going to go for it. We're not stopping. So Monday, the 30th of March, this church, you and me together, are going to be reaching the entire nation. And I guess if there was ever a time our nation needed the word of God, it's now. Isn't it a blessing that we're able to step into the middle of this crisis and bring the word of the Lord to the entire nation every day, Monday through Friday, by radio? What a blessing. Well, I want to talk to you today about not being afraid. You know, the Bible says don't fear I am told, it says it 365 times, one time for every day of the year. We're not to be afraid. But I want to read out of Isaiah. Isaiah's message to the people of God who were in Babylonian captivity. And I want you to grab your Bibles and turn there with me. If you have your Bibles there at your house, I hope you do. Grab your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 41. Just go to the Psalms if you don't know where it is, if you're maybe a new believer, go to the Psalms and take a right. And before long, you're going to hit Isaiah, 66 chapters, large prophetic book. And go to chapter 41 and verse 10, and I'm going to read three verses. And here's Isaiah bringing a word to God's people who were in captivity. He said, fear not, for I am with you. He said, don't be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. 
See, all your angry enemies lie confused and shattered. Anyone opposing you will die. And I like to put that virus in there. The virus is opposing us. I like to say it shall die. You will look for them in vain, and they will all be gone. Now, these words, once again, were spoken to God's people, very discouraged. They were full of fear, full of uncertainty. They had no idea what the future held. They're in Babylonian captivity. They've lost their homeland. They've lost their identity. They've lost their freedom. They've lost everything. They're languishing in a great national crisis, knowing the whole time that, man, I brought this on myself. You know, that's the toughest thing when you're in a trial and you know you brought it on yourself. But this virus, we didn't bring this on ourselves, uh, and yet God is with us. And God speaks to his people there in the captivity, and he wants them to know that he has not forsaken them, that he is still with them, and his plan for them is still intact. I'm still with you. I'm upon you. I'm walking with you through this. This is not the end. This is not, uh, this is not um, you haven't lost your calling. You haven't lost your purpose. I'm with you. And the good news is that we find the very same promises God made to his people there in the Old Testament for us in the New Testament. When God said, I don't want you to be afraid, he says that to us in the New Testament. When he said, we're not to be dismayed, he says that to us in the New Testament. And what he tells them, I'm going to strengthen you, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to uphold you. All those things he says in the New Testament. And that's an easy thing to remember. Let me give you a little acronym. Just say shoe, like you put a shoe on. Just say shoe. Now, there's an acronym. Here's what it means. S, strengthen. H, help. U, uphold. Shoe. So easy to remember. Whenever you're in a trial like we are right now, just remember shoe. God promises to strengthen, help, and uphold. Shoe. He's going to help us. But he begins by saying to them, first of all, fear not. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be gripped by fear, even though you're in a foreign land, even though you're amongst a strange people in a strange language. I don't want you to be afraid. And he says that to us as well. Though there's a virus walking through the planet right now, I don't want you to be afraid. You have nothing to fear. Well, why do I have nothing to fear? I have nothing to fear because God says, I am with you. You don't have to be afraid because I'm with you. That's the reason to not be afraid. That's all the reason we need to not be afraid because he is with us. Now listen to Paul the Apostle who faced all kinds of adverse circumstances and persecution and dangers and life-threatening scenarios. Paul wrote, if God is for us, nobody can stand against us. And God is with us, Romans 8, 31. Now listen to the promise of God through the apostle Paul. He said, listen, if God's for us, there's nobody who can stand against us. And the fact is, God is with us. And no one and no thing can succeed against us if God is with us us. And I want you to personalize it. I can say to myself, Jeff, God is with you. God is with Jeff. 
God is with Turning Point. God is with you. Put your name in there and say, God is with, and then give your name. Because God's eye is on you. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. His angels are about you. You know, I've got a little dog, and I've talked about my little dog named Max uh, many, many times. He's a little Yorkie, and uh, he's, my, he's my little canine friend. And I've noticed this about Max, that when there is a bad storm outside, last week we had thunder, we had lightning, we had all kinds of activity like that, and it was rough. And uh, I noticed that when I was out of the room, little Max would tremble with fear. When the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled and it rattled the windows, my little Yorkie friend Max would tremble. But as soon as I came into the room, he stopped. Why? Because I was with him. Jesus has that effect on you and me. When the storms are rolling, thunder is sounding, lightning is flashing, and we begin to tremble at the sound of this virus covering the earth and the things we read. But then we realize Jesus is in the room with us. Jesus is with us. And as long as I know Jesus is with me, I'm not afraid. I stop trembling. I stop uh, being afraid because there's no reason to fear if Jesus is with us. I want you to know that he said, don't be afraid because I'm with you. I'm with you in your trial. I'm with you at the job. I'm with you at your home. I'm with you. God is with you and me, and he is with Turning Point, and he's with every Christian that names the name of Christ around the world. I love what Paul also said in Romans 8. He said, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Are you convinced of that? He said, death can't and life can't. The angels won't and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow or where we are, high above the sky, or in the deepest ocean, or in quarantine. Nothing will be able to separate us. I'm going to say that again. Nothing, not quarantine, not a virus, not fear, not tumult, not social chaos. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ When he died for us, when Jesus hung on that cross and died, God was saying to the whole world, I love you. I love you with a love you can't comprehend. Know that I love you. And because I love you, I'm with you. So fear not. Go ahead and say it in your living room, wherever you are. Say it out loud. Fear not. And then the second command God gave them was don't be dismayed. Now, dismay is different from fear. The word dismayed is from a Hebrew word meaning to see or to look or to gaze upon or to look about as one does in a state of alarm or danger. When you're afraid, when every little noise makes you jump and you're always looking around at things, focusing on things that are negative and making you afraid, all the news stories, all the reports, all the alarm, all the things that the media are continuously telling us, you need to be afraid. You need to watch out for this, watch out for that. Look out for that virus. It might live on metal. It might live on cardboard, all these different things. 
So you're always dismayed means you're always looking around. You're totally distracted by fearful things. You know, I was a Cub Scout and I was a Boy Scout. And I remember so many times um, we would have campouts. And one of our favorite things was to ask the Scoutmaster, tell us a ghost story. And that Scoutmaster would begin to go into some ghost story about something, this, that, or the other. And the more he talked, the more afraid and nervous and uptight you got until um, every little noise made you look off into the woods. Every, every little sound made you jump. And what it actually caused was fear along with dismay. Because if fear lingers for long, you go into dismay where all you are is focused on the things that are making you afraid. And, and that would happen to us around the campfire. Every little twig that snapped, we're looking, jumping, shouting. And, of course, that was kind of, it was fun, but it was also scary. But that's a picture of dismay. And he says, not only do I not want you to be afraid, I don't want you to be dismayed. I don't want you to be constantly looking at all the things around us, calling for our attention that are negative and fear-inducing. He said, no, instead of looking around at the things you're afraid of, I want you to look up at Jesus. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You know, the 12 scouts or spies that went into the promised land and came back with a report. 10 of them, it was negative. Two of them, it was positive. Joshua and Caleb said positive faith-building things. But the 10 other spies said negative faith-weakening things. And all they talked about was we saw the giants. We saw the danger. We saw how big the giants are and how little we were in their sight. They were giants. We were grasshoppers. And notice how they were dismayed while the other two had no fear and had no dismay because they were looking up at God. You know, it's powerful just to turn the eye of your faith onto Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow very strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. So today, I encourage you and I'm encouraging me with you. Don't look at the negative things. Don't be full of fear and don't be dismayed. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, after he had given them these two commands, don't fear and don't be dismayed, he made three promises. And let me just quickly jump right through these promises because they are powerful. These are the promises of God. This is what God promised his people in captivity who were full of fear and regret and dismay. He said, first of all, I'm going to strengthen you. There's the first, S, the first part of SHU, S-H-U, S, I'm going to strengthen you. God said, I'm going to supernaturally empower you to bear up under all your fear. Just one chapter earlier, Isaiah wrote the famous words that most of you know about. If you've been a believer for very long at all, you know this. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, there's that word, strength. God said, I'm going to strengthen you. I promise you, I'm going to strengthen you. And they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, notice the word renew. Renew means you had it 
and then you started to lose it, and then God brought it back to you again so that you're renewed, you're renewed. You're getting something back that you had begun to lose. He said, you've begun to lose your strength. You've begun to lose your spiritual strength, but I'm going to renew it if you wait upon me. That's the key. Not dismayed looking around you, but looking at Jesus and waiting upon him. Now, that little phrase, wait upon the Lord, in the Hebrew language means to wait expectantly in faith. It's not just waiting, you know, kind of tapping your feet, waiting impatiently for God. You don't do that. What it's saying is, it means I'm waiting with expectation in faith that God is going to strengthen me. And something begins to happen spiritually when we wait expectantly upon the Lord to open that door, to to see you through this trial. We're we're looking to the Lord and we're believing he's going to turn this. And he says, as you wait expectantly, it's like a kite string. Just imagine that I'm holding a kite string and I can easily take a kite string and I can snap it. It doesn't take much strength at all. Just snap it. But if I wrap that kite string around a steel cable, if I just wrap it around that steel cable from top to bottom, that kite string now cannot be broken by me because of what it's wrapped around. I've wrapped that kite string around a steel cable that I could never break. The idea here is as we wait upon the Lord in faith, It's like we are wrapping ourselves around the steel cable called Jesus Christ. And as we are wrapped around, waiting upon the Lord, focused on him, we are as strong as he is. And that's how our strength is renewed because his strength becomes our strength. His ability becomes ours. His energy becomes ours. His hope becomes our hope. We become as strong as what we are wrapped around. So say with me the words of Paul, that wherever you are, let's just say this together. I can do all things. Go ahead and just say it. Let's say it out loud. I can do all things through Christ who does what? Strengthens me. Notice he was not doing the positive thinking kind of confession, but he was saying this. He was saying, as long as I'm looking to Jesus, then I can go through anything. I can do anything. I can endure anything. I can last through anything because his strength has become my strength. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a great promise. What a great promise. Make that promise your own because you are only as strong as whatever it is you're connected to spiritually. Connect to Jesus. Connect to Jesus. The second promise, and it's the H, so there's strength in S, then there's H, help. I will help you. I will help you. You know, when Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit, um, he said he's a comforter. He said he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. But he also said he's a helper. He's a helper. God the Spirit is a helper. Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So not only does God promise to strengthen us in the middle of a trial, but he also promises to help us through the trial. 
to help us. Jesus was saying to his disciples, look, I'm about to go back to heaven, but I'm not going to leave you alone in this. This isn't going to be something you've got to do on your own. I'm not going to leave you orphans. He said in another verse, I will send you the Holy Spirit and he will help you in all your trials. Now, you know, this week I was reading and this ministered to me in a way that um, this particular thing I'm about to share with you has never ministered to me before. Matter of fact, I did a study on it. A whole morning I spent on when Jesus was given the cross to carry it. They put the cross on him. He had been beaten already beyond recognition. He was bleeding. He was tired. He had not slept all night long. He was falsely accused. And our Lord physically was weak. And the Bible says he began to carry his cross up Golgotha's hill. But as he was going up the hill carrying that cross, I don't know how heavy it was. It was wooden. It might have weighed 50, 70, 100 pounds. No, no, no way of knowing. But it says he reached a place where he couldn't carry it anymore. And even the soldiers noticed that he couldn't carry it anymore. So they looked around the crowd. And there was a man named Simon of Cyrene. And Simon was just going about his daily business. Matter of fact, we're led to believe in the Bible. He really didn't know what was going on with this crucifixion, who it was that was being crucified. He had just gotten up that day, had his coffee, said goodbye to the family, and had gone on his way perhaps to work. And he sees a crowd. And as he sees the crowd, he sees a man carrying a cross. He might have thought to himself, how sad, how unfortunate to be in this position for your life to end this way. And before he knows it, a Roman soldier is talking to him and saying, hey, you, you, come over here and help him carry this cross. And Simon of Cyrene stepped out of oblivion onto the pages of history. And he walked up little knowing who he was about to help. And he took Jesus' cross. What an honor. What an indescribable honor. He took Jesus' cross and he began to carry it. And they said, you, you carried along behind him. So in front of him, the Savior of the world is walking limping, weakened to the top of Golgotha's hill where they will crucify him to that cross Simon is carrying. There's great evidence that he became a Christian and that his whole family ended up in the church and in ministry. And because of time, I can't go into it, but that's the evidence. There's, there's a lot of evidence for that. And so... What did he do? He helped Jesus carry what Jesus could no longer carry. That's it. And what does God say? I'm going to help you. I'm not only going to strengthen you, but I'm going to help you. And when you can't carry what you're carrying anymore, I'm going to step in like Simon did, and I'm going to carry what you can't carry. I'm going to help you carry what you can't carry. You're going to get to your destination because he's going to help you get there. He's going to help you carry the financial load, help you carry the stress, help you carry yourself. 
He's going to help you. He's going to, he says, I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. It's a promise from God. So I want to leave you, before I go to the last thing God promised, I want to leave you with these, these two things. Let's don't forget them. Remember, S, strengthen. H, help. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. You're not in this alone. Whatever you're facing because of this national crisis, you're not facing it alone. God sent you a helper. And the last thing, he says, and I will also uphold you. There's the you. So strengthen S, help H, uphold you. Shoo. I will uphold you. Now, uphold doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what that means. It means I'm going to hold you up. But remember now, these passages were spoken to Israel as they languished in Babylonian captivity. They didn't know when it was going to end. They didn't have prophetic insight. They just knew they were in captivity, and for all they knew, they were going to live and die there. It looked like an unending trial. It looked like a a testing and a, a fiery trial that was maybe never going to end. Many of them had been born in Babylon by now, and for all they knew, they were going to die in Babylon. And so this word uphold has a unique meaning in the original language. It means I'm going to help you persevere to the end of this trial. I'm going to uphold you. I'm going to hold you up, and I'm going to help you to persevere. You're not going to give in. You're not going to cave in. You're not going to give up. You're not going to lose your fight. You're not going to drop out of the race. But I promise to uphold you that you're going to reach to the end of this trial. You're going to come out on the other side of your trial You're going to be purified. You're going to be improved. You're going to be stronger. You're going to come out on the other side because I promise to uphold you. I'm going to hold you up so that you make it to the end. What an incredible, incredible promise. And and then he says this. He says, you want to know how this is true and this is real? Because I am your God and I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. What a powerful promise. He said, I'm going to hold you up, and here's how I'm going to do it. with Not just my right hand, but my righteous right hand. What is God saying there? He's saying, my promises can be counted on because I'm righteous. Now, what he's doing is he's pointing to his character. And he's saying, why should you believe my promises? Because you believe in me. And what do you believe about me? Well, you believe and you know based on the scriptures that God is true to his word. He's loyal. He's faithful. He's loving. He's patient. He is not a man that he can lie. God is saying, my right hand is going to carry you through it because it's a righteous right hand. You see, folks, any promise is only as good as the one that made the promise. If somebody makes a promise to me, like they say, you know, if you do this, then I promise you I will do that. The first thing I think about is, what do I know about their character? Are they true uh, people? That is, is their character good? Are they people of their word? Are they people who have kept their word in the past? Are they dependable? Are they faithful? Do they have a track record? I'm going to want to know that. And if I decide they are true to their word, dependable, 
good for their word, and they have a track record of that, then I'm going to put a lot of stock in that promise. But if I find out that they have broken promises in the past, hurt people in the past, have not been true to their word in the past, then I'm not going to put any confidence in any promise they make. But here's what we know about God. God's track record is perfect. He's not a man that he can lie. He says, I promise you I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to uphold you. And the way that you can know that's going to happen is I'm going to uphold you by my right hand that is righteous. My character can be depended on. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to come through for you. I'm going to be true to my word. I will never fail you, never walk out on you, never leave you hanging. If everybody else walks out, I will walk in. But you are mine and I am yours and I'm a God of covenant and I'm not going to let you down. So therefore, you can put great stock in God's promise that he's going to strengthen you, help you, and uphold you in the midst of this trial. Perhaps today you're watching and you've lost your job because of this this crisis. Or maybe you're worried about losing your job or you've taken a pay cut. Or somebody in your family is sick, or maybe you're wondering if you're sick. And because of the news, and because of the panic culture that we're in, it's really trying to get you to also be afraid and dismayed and get your eyes off of God's promise to strengthen, help, and uphold you. But God will. He promises. His promises are good because His character is good and righteous, and dependable, and faithful. His character can be depended on, his promises can be stood upon, and his love can be counted on because he is a righteous God. Now I want to encourage you, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're praying for you every day. We're all in this together. And I want to tell you, I believe we're going to come through on the other side, however long it takes, better, stronger, purified, deeper in God than we were before this trial ever began. So let's pray together. And if you're watching and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, what a great, great time, opportune time, perfect time to look up and say, Jesus, come into my heart because that same Lord will strengthen you and help you and uphold you and more than that, save you redeem you, deliver you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we're a nation in crisis, but Lord, as the church, we're not full of fear. We refuse to be afraid and we refuse to be dismayed. But Lord, we thank you that the God of covenant has covenanted with us to strengthen, help, and uphold us, that we will reach the end of this trial and come out on the other side intact, not just surviving, but thriving. And Lord, I thank you for it right now. Send your comfort, send your spirit, send your power, send your grace, send your provision. And thank you, Lord, for being with us and showing us You can be trusted in the tough times as well as the good times. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. It's been so good being with you. I want to encourage you. Don't forget Wednesday night, we're going through the book of Hebrews. We will be here with you online, and we're going to be here until this ban is lifted. And I'm kind of guessing when they finally lift it, this church is going to be flooded with people because I know you're missing being with the people of God as much as I am. So God bless you. Our prayers are with you. We love you. God is with you. Have a blessed week in Jesus' name. Amen.